Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 148 of Strength for Today's Pastor. We get to talk today with Rich Cathers, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel Fullerton in Orange County, California. And he has written a book, and that's what our subject is going to be. It's a great tool for all church discipleship, a fantastic tool for influencing people to read their Bibles and pray every day. So a little little background on Rich. He started Calvary Chapel Fullerton in November of 1994. He has since retired from his role as the church's senior pastor, but now he continues to be occupied with coaching pastors and making disciples. But his most recent effort resulted in the publication of his first book, entitled Seven for Seven, and that happened in May of this year. Rich, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bill. It's an honor to be a part of this. Yeah, it's great to have you. I'm, I'm excited about what this book is going to do, and that's why I wanted you to come on and ask you to do it, because it is a great tool. So I love the part of the testimony, going back to just who Rich Cathers is, uh, that you told me about as we talked. You, so you're a, you're a Campus Crusade guy who was baptized with the Holy Spirit at Melody Land Christian Center, who founded and pastored a Calvary Chapel Church for 25 years while renting a Lutheran church to meet in for uh, years during that time. That, that's covering a lot of bases. And you're missing the Baptist church I was a, oh. a, I grew up in, and I grew up in a Methodist church as well when I was a little baby. Oh, my. Why? You, so, you, you got the whole gamut. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, but I ended up with Calvary Chapel. That's the whole point. You did, but but a balance, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I had my own background with the Catholic Church and then, you know, uh, attended Assembly of God School, Southern California College, and then transferred to Melody Island School of Theology before there was a Calvary Chapel Bible College and all of those kinds of things. And so there's a little bit of similarity, but, but you beat yeah. me by a mile. <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, I'm excited again about the book that you've written, and, and you had a specific goal in mind when you wrote it, and you wrote in the preface, you said, my greatest prayer for you, the reader, is that you develop this most important of disciplines, that of daily prayer and Bible reading. My aim for this book is to encourage you in your Bible reading. And, you know, you as a longtime pastor, you know, I know that's a big deal for God's people to read the Bible regularly and have consistent time of prayers. So why should this be a focus for discipleship and for pastors as they oversee their congregations? Because not every pastor thinks about this type of thing as really getting their their people involved in Bible reading. Yeah. Well, I would hope that it's a pretty obvious answer. And I'm and I imagine the guys listening to this could probably do a better job than this. But let me just throw out a, a couple of verses. Um, God's word is is the key to living as a believer. David wrote that the person whose delight was in God's word would be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bears fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. That's Psalm 1, by the way. Jesus said that the person who heard his word and obeyed it, Matthew 7, 25, that when the storms come, the rain descended, the floods came, uh, their house didn't fall. They stood. That kind of makes, that's kind of important. Paul wrote 
that God's word was profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be th complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So don't you want that for your people? So they need to be in God's word. Um, if you want your congregation to be growing spiritually, bearing much fruit, there's nothing more important than teaching them to read their Bible every day. And I believe read through the entire Bible uh, as a regular habit, but also learning to pray, to intercede every day. I think another important thing is the idea of balance. I kind of, I don't know about you, Bill, but I think that more than a few Christians nowadays are way out of balance when it comes to things out in the world, the things that I hear. Um, people might know their pastor's 10 favorite teaching topics, but they don't know the entire Bible. You need to teach them to read the entire Bible. You may not be able to get through teaching the entire Bible in your pastorate. I hope you do. I hope that's a goal of yours. But you need to at least teach the people to read the whole book, not just your their favorite passages, not just the New Testament. And as a pastor, you set the example People are not going to do what you yourself are not doing. Well, well done. I, I appreciate that answer so much. And, I, uh, you know, Pastor Chuck, who was my pastor, and he was your pastor too, and I'm sure in many ways, um, when, when they started, you know, Costa Mesa, it really hit the, hit the, the fast speeds. He, he read Halley's Bible Handbook, and in the back of that book, he, he said, you got to get your people reading the Bible. So he started his Sunday, night, right. his Sunday night messages with that in mind. And at first, it was 15, 20 chapters a week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he would read through it. But it did get the people reading their Bible, and that's your in intention sure. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So you didn't write seven for seven in a sit down, I'm going to write a book style. So tell us how this book happened and what's the story behind it. Okay. Like many guys, when we started our church in Fullerton, um, I wanted to be just like Chuck, you know, and Chuck would write um, every week. He would write a little teeny short little exhortation that they would print in the bulletin. And I think he called it his parson to person. So when we started Fullerton, I thought, what better thing to do than to do the same? So I started uh, a practice every week of writing a short little article. We would call it our pastored person just to make it a little different. Um, eventually developed over time so that there was a little square in the bulletin that I had to stay within. I couldn't go out. It was a good discipline to learn to write short, to write concise. And I had to fit in that square. Um, and from the beginning, as a church, we published a daily through the Bible in a year reading plan because I was already, I was already eight years into doing that as a, as a daily habit of reading through the Bible, and I wanted my church to learn that same discipline. Um, and so we would we publish this we publish this so people would have this reading plan. The idea is that if people are reading together. Then you got something you can talk about. And there'll be times in the sermon where you go, you know what, this week we read, and then they'll go, oh, yeah. Um, initially, the plan was um, uh, three chapters a day. And we start in Genesis in January and go all the way through Revelation. And it's roughly that is is about what it takes you through the Bible. After a couple of years, I began to I tweaked the plan a little bit. Um, so that it was uh, an Old Testament and New Testament portion, two chapters Old Testament, 
one chapter New Testament. That's the rough idea. And if you do that, you'll you'll get through the New Testament a lot quicker. And so we we moved Psalms and Proverbs into the New Testament section. So that's kind of the way that the the, the reading plan works. Um, because I wanted to encourage the church to read with me, I began writing my little pastor to person articles based on something from that week's reading. So just be a little a little uh, encouragement, a little bit, hey, yeah, I read that this week too, kind of a thing. I would get comments from people telling me that they enjoyed the articles. I would have people telling me, I remember one fellow named Don, he kept telling me over and over, I, I've, I've got all of these copies of this stuff. I, I, you ought to put this stuff in a book, you know. Um, um, eventually, I came up with a brilliant idea that if I wrote my article every Friday based on what we read on Friday, and I kept that up as a as a regular habit, only writing on Fridays. And you know how the calendar shifts; the calendar days shift every 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 year by a day. Sure. Well, within seven within seven day within seven years, you will have written something for every day of the year, every calendar day of the year. So that's kind of became my goal, and that's a long way of saying this: this book uh, is a. It came out of 25 years worth of articles. And of course, I've got a whole lot more articles than are in the book. Um, I think I've got 10,000 articles, something like that. And there's only 365. It can't be 10,000. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's 5,000. I don't, I don't know. But, um, and I'm, and I didn't even pick out the best ones for this book because I, I may come out with a volume two. I probably could do a volume three. And so after I retired, cause I didn't really take the time to do this. Um, and every week when I would write my, my, my secretary, I had a super secretary for all that time, Lori Dunnigan, she would, she would, um, she was my editor, a weekly editor, always going over and correcting my grammar. We would tease each other about how, how many corrections is she going to get this week? You know, (laughs) kind of a thing. I would have a really good week if I only had one or two corrections, you know? And so by, by the time I retired, I had this package of all these articles and it just came down to putting it together in book form and uh so that's what i did after after i finally stepped away from fullerton is i put the first book together so for 25 years without realizing at the beginning you were starting to write a book and then it became yeah, about one. yeah about five years in i began to realize i've got something here yeah but no, but no. It, but and i began at one point i began to organize the articles and put them in biblical order and I saw that there were holes in it, and I I would try to make sure that I you know would hit the holes so that I would have content for the book. But yeah. but the way I started, I, that wasn't my intention. Yeah. Well, I bought the book. I I bought a Kindle copy of the book, and I started going through it. And and it's it's a Bible reading schedule, and it's introduced with the passage that is going to be read on that day's reading. And then there's the brief article that you had written for the church bulletin on that Friday, whichever one you, you chose for that. It's a snippet of that text that they're reading somewhere in that, that passage. It's great. Yeah. It's, not, it's not overdone. It's not so much commentary on your side that it takes away from the Bible reading, but it, it adds and it, um, it emphasizes something that intrigues the reader to get into it, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well yeah. done. So Thank you. S- seven for seven, um, 
that's a unique name. Uh, there's got to be a, name, a reason for that. Where did the title come from? Well, when I was in college, as you mentioned, I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, and I learned the importance of small discipleship groups. When I was a youth pastor at Fullerton First Baptist Church, had my first discipleship group filled with high school guys, a group of four high school guys. When I was on staff at uh, Calvary Anaheim, when I was brought on as a full-time associate assistant pastor, I, I kept up this practice of discipleship groups. Um, and I eventually developed the idea. I'm, I'm actually going to answer your question. I eventually <laughs> came up with this idea that the starting point, whenever I would start a new group, I, I would make a contract with the guys. This is what I expect of you. Um, this is what, what, what you're going to get out of this group. And the starting point was always establishing a daily quiet time or daily devotional time, reading the Bible and praying. And I have specific ideas when I talk about what does it mean to pray every day. I'm not just talking about, do you take five seconds and say, God help the world? No, no, no. Uh-uh. No, I, things I've picked up over the years from from some of the old guys, the old dead guys, you know, from the 1900s, 1800s. What does it mean to pray every day? What does it mean to intercede? So I've got the ideas of what this means. And so that would always be our our square one. We wouldn't, we would never get any further. We'd never read any other books on hermeneutics or, or anything else until, until we got past square one. And the idea is that I wanted every guy to be reading every day. Now they say, and I think there's got to be truth to this, that if you do the same thing every day for 30 days in a row, you will establish a habit. And so my goal with all of these men over the years has been to infuse them with this habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. So much so that I, I know for me, if I skip a day, I just feel off. And it's been it's been it's been years since I've skipped a day. But I, I, I remember after I began doing this this process, it's you'd skip a day, and I was why am I so carnal today? Why am I yelling at everybody? Why am I thinking all these? Oh, oh, oh I have I have I haven't spend my time with Jesus yet. You know, you've got to get to that point. So we would meet once a week, these groups. And uh, we'd meet at, sometimes we'd meet on Saturday mornings. Sometimes it was a Tuesday at five in the mornings, all kind of whatever, whatever time it was that, that, that these group of guys, and this would be three to 10 guys at the most. Um, and we would meet once a week at the beginning of every week, I would ask that question and I made them all go around the room you know, and answer the question this week out of seven days, how many days did you read? And so I get answers the first week would it be like, I read twice or I read three, three times. I read five times. I read six times and we'd all throw hooray. But it's, and, and, and so I would do this every week. And if a guy said, oh, I read five times, I'd say, hold out your hand. And I, and I'd slap his hand. We we'd all laugh, you know, we'd all joke. We think that was just the hilarious thing. But the goal is I wanted to hear around the room, seven, seven, seven. I went seven for seven. And until each guy went seven for seven for four weeks or for 30 days, we would not get off of square one. And, 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 and you might think, well, what, how are you going to fill up a group meeting with just reading your I tell you, they will come with questions. You will ask that it will say, what did you get out of this week? And when you're all reading the same thing and somebody goes, you know, there was this passage where Jesus said this, 
oh my gosh, it just hit me. And if you're the guy that's only read three times this week and you hear somebody next to you going, oh, I heard, I got so much out of this. You go, I want to do that next week. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and, and so you, you, you motivate each other, you encourage each other. You can do silly things like if you, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, read seven for seven, you have to buy donuts next week. Hey, mm-hmm. do silly things like that. Mm-hmm. And we all can laugh at it. But the point is do whatever it takes you get to the point where it's a habit and my hope for the readers of this book is that they would learn to go seven for seven i think that's just super wise and and i love the way you've created 101 in your discipleship group is seven for seven that's yeah that's the first course now you can go on to the to the second year or a second version And and even after even after we would talk about other issues or go with other books or do a Gail Irwin book or, or do a Spurgeon book or do a book on prayer, whatever you could always, you can always say, well, let's start with our quiet time. How did you do this week? Yeah, you right. know? And and sometimes that just takes it over. Sometimes they've got questions. Yeah. Rich, what did this mean? And you might not know the answer. You might have to come back next week with an answer, but you just, you talk it over. Yeah. Foundation for everything. You bet. Yeah. I remember, you know, I came to Christ in 1969 at Calvary Costa Mesa, and and I did great for a few months, but I never developed the habit. Yeah. So I I went away for yeah. a couple a few years, and yeah. t- until uh, 1973 actually, uh, but this time the Lord was sovereign. He led me into a Christian commune in the Pacific Northwest. There was nothing to do in that commune if you weren't working your job that week other than read the Bible. That's where the habit came for me, and it, yeah. it, I got hooked, and it's been that way ever since. But, but that, ha- that, that switch needs to get flipped in our brains. This is now whatever habitual. It takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. I love that. I really yeah. love that a lot. So um, tell us about the format of the book, because that's also important. And, and by the way, another thing, I'm going to f- switch back to the, the previous question again. Uh, the idea of, of, that you quoted from Matthew 7, you know, he who hears my words and does them, I'll tell yeah. you who he's like. It just dovetails so beautifully with the Great Commission, yeah. teaching them to observe all, all things, things that I've commanded you. you Not just teaching them what he said, but teaching them to observe it. So yeah. my thought is, Jesus had a quiet time. <laughs> yeah. Jesus t- spent regular time with the Father, and that's obvious from the Gospels. So yeah. that's, that's what you're doing with 7 for 7, is you're teaching them to observe. Yeah. We used to, um, I used to, uh, I used to put out every week for the guys, and eventually my secretary would do this for the church. But um, when we were at Calvary Anaheim, I would I would print these out every week. I would give I had a I created a, a program in Lotus. Well, then it became Excel, and it and I had it all computerized so that it would fill in all everything for me. And there would be seven sections, and there would be uh, uh, every day there would be that day's reading. And there'd be a couple of lines, and then there'd be a square next to it that would say application. So the goal with that, with that worksheet was that I would send the guys home every week. And, um, and some of the guys might remember this. Um, uh, I should mention, I won't mention names. Sorry. <laughs> um, guys would keep these in their notebooks. Um, uh, and, and so every day and, and 
we used to, I used to encourage them to write what we call pericopes, mm-hmm. which is a short three, four words that, that summarizes the chapter. And so you would, you would write on each line a pericope for the chapter and then do that for all the chapters that you read and then pick one thing out of all your reading and write something down of how you apply this to your life. But see, that's the whole point. You don't just read, you read to apply and put it into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So back to the question I was starting to ask you. Um, the, the format. F- the format of the book, yeah, and, and how it's laid out because it's helpful. Um, well, there's a preface in the book that um, it's just a few words of encouragement about what it takes to read your Bible every day. That's that's that the preface. So don't. So if you get the book, don't skip the preface. Read the preface exactly. because it gives you it gives you the heart of what the, what's behind the book. And then after that, there is a separate page for each day of the year, 365. And I threw in a free bonus page for leap year. So even if you're reading this on leap year, you, you, you get something. And on each day at the top of the page, there's the date. And then there's the reading assignment. Today's reading assignment was reading Ecclesiastes ch- uh, chapters three and four. Lovely stuff. Good old mm-hmm. Solomon is such a happy guy when he writes Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. And then Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's, mm-hmm. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Um, the the strength from weakness, all of that. Um, sorry, I'm I'm getting I'm starting to get it. To, I'm starting to preach. <laughs> and then after that assignment, then there's my short little pastor person devotional um, articles that come f- from something in that day's reading. Now, those of you who've read through the Bible, you're thinking, well, so what's he writing about? Is he giving you a commentary on all those three chapters? No, not at all. I'm just taking one little teeny thing. It might be. A verse, I don't know if you've ever read um, uh, Streams in the Desert sure. or uh, some Spurgeon's devotionals. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife's got Spurgeon's checkbook. Uh, and and these old writers will will take just a phrase sometimes. This is all it takes to just think and meditate and chew on it. And so it may be a few verses. It may just be a half of a verse. And then there is some some application to it. How does this affect my life? Now, I may not even pick out of the three chapters. I may not even pick the verse. If you were to, if you were to guess, well, what's he going to write on in Ecclesiastes three and four and Second Corinthians twelve? Hmm. I would pick this. You, you'd be surprised. I may not do that because sometimes I purposely pick something else because I want you to see that there's more to Scripture than just your ten favorite verses. Is that there is depth to the to the to the word um, today? Uh, Gosh, I, I, I'm well. I, I'm doing New Living Translation right now in my reading, and there's there's stuff in there that I was thinking I don't think I've ever looked at that like that mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's the idea of the book. There's you read your chapters, and then there's something that I will give you an idea about. But if you're in a group and you're going to share each week, you're going to come up with something different. I hope you come up with something different. Mm-hmm. That gets everybody talking. So in that preface, um, you also provide a whole lot of encouragement for the the reader that's getting started and, you know, the one that is maybe being tempted to quit or uh, they're trying to figure out how to accept this challenge of reading the Bible uh, directly. I'd love you to preview some of those uh, suggestions because I thought they were really helpful. Yeah, and I've added a few on my own from what wasn't in the book. First, got to make it your goal 
to read every day. Whatever it takes, you need to make that your goal. Uh, uh, do whatever it takes to get that first 30 days under your belt. Do whatever it takes. That's got to be, it's got to be your goal. Not that you become a theologian in 30 days. Not that you become an expert on Ecclesiastes or, or the book of Job or whatever. And you should be grateful that if you start right now, we just finished the book of Job. So you don't have to read the book of Job for another year. Um, uh, do whatever it takes. I find, secondly, um, that it's it's important to to be consistent on when you read every day. I've found this to be the case with many of the guys in my groups. Some people like to read in the evenings. That's fine. Totally fine. Just make sure that you do it the same way every day because that's what helps reinforce the habit. I like the mornings. Um, and I've and I'm spiritual about it. I have reasons for it. Mm -hmm. It's because I want to start my day with Jesus. I want Him speaking to me at the beginning of the day and not at the end. But that's just me. My wife and I do do this. We, we both do this in the morning, and we go our separate. She's she's in one area of the house. I'm in another area of the house, and and we do this every day. And and no matter what time our day is supposed to begin, we start the day earlier. Some people say, "Well, I can't get up that early." Sure, you can. It just depends on what's important to you. But pick the right time that will help you to keep this a habit. That's important. Thirdly, do it with others. You can do it by yourself. Sure, you might be able to pull that off. But that's why a small group works good. Um, let the guilt of not completing it, let it be something that motivates you. Who cares about that? The whole goal is to learn to read every day. Um, don't worry about what motivates you just do it if you're worried about your motives some people say well i don't want to read the bible every day if i'm doing because i feel guilty look you can fix your motives after you establish the habit the important thing is establish the habit first and if you are in a group and you're all on the same reading plan then you can take time and share from the verses and you've all read it and it encourages you to keep going some guys may say, well, what does this mean? Well, that's fine. No problem. Come with your questions. Fourth thing is you could do is, is uh, get a texting buddy. I have a couple of guys that were in an old, one of my old groups that stopped three years ago, three, four years ago. And we no longer meet, but we still text each other every day, every day. Mm. Um, Manuel Castro sends me six, seven, eight verses that he's that he's read. And he and I do tend to do at different times. Sometimes we're doing it at the same time. I text him and another guy. Um, and and we do it every day. It just helps you keep going. I don't always read all the texts. I just know that he's texting me and he texts and, and we go back and forth. Helps you keep on track. Another question is: what if I don't understand it? That's why I don't want to read the Bible, because I might not understand it. Oh, well, get over it. <laughs> you may not understand it now, but doesn't mean you won't later. Um, just keep reading. If you really are stuck on something, write it down, make a note, put it in your Bible, write a note, text your pastor, whatever. You can ask your pastor if you, if you need to, whatever. Chuck used to say, and I love this, I love this. He used to say that he has a file in his head marked waiting for further information. In other words, you're going to come across passages that you don't always know, understand. Um, as a pastor, I'd be teaching through things and I think, oh my gosh, I'm going to hit that passage and I don't, still don't know what it means. There were times where I've taught and I said, 
and I don't I still don't know what this means, you know, but but you hold on to that question. And you might not understand it this time through, but if this becomes your life, then maybe next year you'll understand it. Because maybe next year you'll see a New Testament passage that explains the Old Testament passage or vice versa. It could be that your pastor will teach on this passage. could be that you're listening to a, Christi- a, 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 a teacher on the radio and he explains it and you go, oh, that's what, you know what, you will. You will understand it later. I can't tell you how many... I used to call this making connections is, is seeing how many old Testament and new Testament passages are connected and explain each other. You don't, you won't see this till about the fourth or fifth time through your Bible. I I just guarantee you, you're not going to see it all right away. The goal is to read. Don't worry about about understanding. I had one guy in one of my groups, he would pull out all of his commentaries mm-hmm. and he said, I just can't do this every day because I can't read all the commentaries on these three chapters. And I said, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Don't worry about it. If you don't understand it, you if you're really stuck on it, you can ask about it. But the point is to read and also ask God to speak to you. Now, what if I fall behind? Well, if you miss one day, sure, you can read six chapters the next day. That's always, you can always do that. I remember, Bill, um, when I first started doing this through the Bible thing, we were reading 10 or 15 chapters a day because we were doing, we were, we would call this mega doses mm-hmm. of scripture. And oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. But you skip one day and then suddenly you got to read 30 chapters. Oh, it was, it was hard. And so um, what if I fall behind? Here's, here's the very simple answer to this. Cut your losses, and the next day, just read what you're supposed to read on that day on the schedule. Just cut your losses. You might say, yeah, but I wanted to read through the whole Bible. Well, you know what? Your goal is not read through the whole Bible once. Your goal is to read through the Bible every year. And I guarantee that if you get to the point where you start reading every day, and you're doing it on a daily basis, you will read it the next time through. You'll pick it up the next time through. Um, the habit is your priority. Cut your losses. Uh, another issue is about remaining fresh. How do you remain fresh reading the Bible? Now, some of you have never read the Bible. You're going, what do you mean remain fresh? The whole thing's fresh. Well, I I, I guarantee that after I find it for people, it's about their fourth or fifth time through the Bible. I don't know if, about you, Bill, but about fourth or fifth time through the Bible, it it, it kind of starts becoming old. Um. And if you are, I remember, I remember doing this with my paper Bible and I'm thinking, well, next day's reading is Romans eight and Rome and, and, and see that's, that's, that starts on this part of the page and it goes out down here. It's, it's a page and a half. And I, you know, I, I had everything all laid out in my head before I even opened the, opened the Bible. Um, so how do I keep it fresh? Well, one thing I do is I change Bible translations every year for my devotionals. Now, when I'm teaching, I teach out of New King James. I'm a New King James guy. Um, but I read all, all of the modern translations. I will gasp. I've read the message. Gasp. Horrible. It's, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, right now, I'm doing the New Living Translation. I've done NIV, ESV, um, CSV, New American Standard. I actually grew up on New American Standard when I was, when I was a young Christian. Um, I, I've read a, and, and so every year I change translations because it helps me read it 
in a fresh way. I may still know what the, what's in the chapter. I, I, I do. But when I, when I force myself to read this new translation, and, and I got to tell you, some guys, oh, it's horrible. You should never change translations. Just, you know, old King James was good enough for the Apostle Paul. It's good enough for me and all this kind of stuff. You know what? Get over yourself. I, I, I teach Greek. I, I've got a group of guys that I'm teaching Greek too. So I, I, I went to seminary. I learned Greek. I learned Hebrew. And you know what? There are, there's a lot of value in the modern translations. Don't just blow them off. Um, there's a lot of value. There's a reason why they phrase things just a little bit differently. And, and it's, not all, it's not all black and white of which one is right. You have to learn from these things. Um, I use the version app is what I tend to use when I'm reading now. Um, and I will, right now, what I do is I have my, I'll get my, well, I don't have it here, but I, I've got my iPad open and I will have the iPad reading it to me while I'm reading it with my eyes. That's another, that's another trick is that you have more ways of it getting into your brain at the same time. It will stick a little better. And, um, and having them read to you um, forces you to keep going at a, at, at, at a at a pace that Paul wrote it at. He didn't write it, you know, three words at a time. Um, so just try changing it up. Um, I've heard that it, that another way that you can do, which I have not done on a regular basis, I'm just kind of a little freaked out about doing this. What, what's my wife going to think? But read out loud. I've heard that if you read out loud, it's another way to to do it. So, uh, and lastly, I would encourage you. Don't don't neglect the importance of praying before you read. And when I mean pray, I'm not talking about the intercession part of your prayer time, but asking God to speak to you um, and, and give him a little pause. Don't just rush. Don't be so tight on your time that you don't just, God, I need you to speak. And so, God, I just want to wait on you and I want you to speak. And and he will. He will speak. Giving room to the Holy Spirit to do his work of illumination, right? You bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's Absolutely. great. Okay. Illumination. Yeah. Illumination. Yeah, that's what we're after. So, Rich, finally, you know, last question, and then we're going to go into the two-minute drill, but you're a pastor. You're a pastor that has written a book. So we're, to, we're talking in this podcast to mostly pastors and Christian leaders. So what encouragement or counsel would you give to the pastor who has a book inside of him and maybe wants suggestions about how to do it himself? Well, I'm not sure the answer to that. Um, it took me 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And after the 25 years, it took some discipline for me setting aside time to actually uh, sift through it all and to figure it all out. Um, I, I, I've heard that if you, and I've heard from authors that maybe you should write a little little bit every day. I think um, my mom used to tell me, Richard, you always have time for the things that are most important to you. And she would always guilt me over that because I wouldn't, I didn't take out the trash or I didn't, you know, whatever. Um, but if writing a book is that important to you, then you need to figure out, just like having a daily quiet time, you need to figure out how to carve out some time in your week to work on it. Yeah. Um, and don't, you're not going to write it in a day. You're not going to write it in, in two weeks. Um, and if you've never written before, 
Um, it's going to take you a while to get anything out. Some of you, um, I've got a, I've got a good friend who's in my Greek class and he was telling me that he's learning, um, he's learning how to use, uh, in word, Microsoft word, they have a dictation thing Mm -hmm. and, uh, you can, you know, it will write for you if you're not a very good typist. Now I'm, I'm a typist because I, that's just, I developed that skill a long time ago. And so I can type almost as fast as I speak use the dictation thing or whatever you may you may have to do a couple practice runs you may be you always see these things on tv or movies where guys are scrunching up the paper and trying another trying a different way but the question is how important it is is it to you um i think it's important that you have good support i had a super secretary who made sure that what i wrote looked good and i gotta tell you uh uh you you you're not going to find a lot of errors. Um, I've got a friend, a good friend who's working. Here's a shout out to Lucho Garcia, who's who who um, he's taking up my book and he's translating it into Spanish. Yay. I'm just I was like, wow, oh my gosh! Um, and he'll he has already found one error uh. Uh, in the first month. Good good for you, Lucho. Wow. It was a it was a homonym. It's a word that sounds like another, but it's uh-huh. not. Whatever. Um, but you're not going to find a lot of errors, not because I'm a great writer, but because I had a good secretary. Yeah, yeah. So you should think about the support that you've got. You should check out Amazon. Could you do this for free? And that's where I ended up. I I kind of stumbled into it. I, I'm not even sure how I, st- I – and then I found out from some friends who have already written books that that's how they did it as well. And so go to Amazon and under the search thing, search for Kindle Direct Publishing or you just Google that. Um, and that's, they will, they will take you through step-by-step. They have all kinds of help pages of, of what you need to do, how to, how to publish. Bill, you were talking about a friend who they have an app, uh, a program that will take your words and format it for you. I went the other route, um, because I already had everything written out. And so they have word, um, templates and I've used templates for years. And, And so they have a template that you decide the size of their book and that's a whole nother process. And, and, and then you just put the text in. So, um, and it, and it will Kindle direct publishing. It's not just for publishing eBooks on Kindle, but then it also, uh, you have, you have to create three different versions, one for your paperback and one for a hardcover and it's all free. That's the best part. And so you could take as long as you want. And once you get it going before you, release it you can ask for did i bring it yeah you can ask for a uh a proof copy so you i'll never be able to sell this not for resale Mm -hmm. but that was my proof copy and they kind of they print these things on demand so uh they don't they don't print a hundred of them sit them on a shelf somewhere uh they kind of print them as you order them so the bigger question is this, what's your goal? Yeah. Why do you want to write? What, when do you write a book? I've got some ideas of other books. I, I was thinking about writing a book on what I would, what I wish an older pastor had taught me as a younger pastor. Perfect. I wish I, and I've got about 20 things that, you know, with some of the guys I've been working with, you know, that I, I things, and I went to seminary, yeah. but there's things they never taught me. Right. And, and, and so, I'm toying with the idea. I don't know if we'll do that or not. I don't know. We'll see. Please do. Please do. <laughs> that's the kind of book that's needed. We're having a, a crisis in the church, the body of Christ as a whole, 
in the, in the uh, shortage of younger men to take pastorates and it's become a thing barna has even written about it in his research on the subject yeah and let, let me just say this before you make give me my two-minute warning <laughs> okay <all right. laughs> pastors you it's your job to train your train your replacement yeah. it's your job to to work yourself out of a job mm-hmm. that is the goal i used to think that the, the the goal was to run my race fall dead at the finish and Jesus says, "What good, uh, well done, good and faithful servant." I think that's the wrong image. It's a relay race, mm-hmm. and so, gentlemen, you need to be working at raising up others. And this is this discipleship groups I've talked about. Yeah. Uh, my replacement, Kayla Beller, was in for years in one of my discipleship groups. He was raised up in my church. He was 16 years old when he started. And uh, we sent, ended up sending him off to the missionary mission field in Hungary. We brought him back 10 years later, and he has taken my place. Um, we've, we've raised up a number of men in our church that we've sent out. And we're just a small church. So uh, you can do this, guys. It's just you have to invest in people. Yeah, yeah, good word. Well, okay, that takes us to the two-minute drill, uh, Rich. So thanks for that. I appreciate those words of encouragement big time. So a couple of minutes to share any word of encouragement to the pastors that you have on your heart. You've already shared a lot of your heart, but looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Go for it. I, I think the last thing I just want to say is, um, guys, be careful about the example that you are setting of what spiritual growth looks like. Acts chapter 6, verse 4, um, when they were the church was growing and they're trying to figure out how to handle all this stuff and they set up the deacons um the apostle says we need to give ourselves to continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and i don't think that means you need to be in your study all the time but but you need to make prayer and god's word a priority in your personal life your personal pastors pastors your personal prayer and reading time are the fuel that keeps you on track with serving Jesus. Um, it's not something, uh, and I've been to a few conferences. I I mean, I've missed the last couple of them, but I think I went to, I've probably been to 35 pastors conferences. Um, I haven't heard this as something that's taught much. Gentlemen, you need to spend time every day reading your Bible for yourself, not for what you're going to teach, but for yourself, for your personal life. And you need to learn to develop the discipline of prayer, of interceding for others. You ought to have a list of people that you pray for that ought to include your family, it ought to include aspects of your ministry, your hopes for your ministry, the people in your ministry. Um, I think a few years ago, I was sharing this with Bill, that I, I started a a section of my prayer list, I wanted to be strategic about my prayers. And so I started a section of praying for specific pastors because you know what? When they get their rewards in heaven, I want a piece of that. You know, I, I, want, I want a little bit of piece of that. But gentlemen, it's your time with Jesus. Um, I, 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 I got to tell you, not everybody gets this. Uh, we, we, we look at other, we look at pastors who do well and, and we don't hear them talk about this stuff. Not that it, I don't, and I don't know about it. I don't know what goes on in everybody's lives, but gentlemen, this is what needs to be in your life, praying and reading every day. 
Good word. Good word. Well, thanks, Rich, for joining us on this episode. It's been full and rich and encouraging, as I thought it might be, and uh, just really appreciate it. So the book that Rich has written is called 7 to 7. It's available on Amazon in hardcover, softcover, or Kindle formats. It's also available online at barnesandnoble.com. But Rich has also a whole bunch of other resources, and I want to just highlight them. These are all going to be in the show notes with the proper links attached to them. But there's a YouTube channel that is Rich's YouTube channel. has a lot of video clips used as sermon illustrations. So if you're looking for sermon illustrations, you can no doubt find some there. And also an archive of all the video his sermons were given from the time of Calvary Chapel Fullerton that they began to do video. And then Calvary Chapel Fullerton has a YouTube channel, which is full of, of things that uh, Rich has done. There's Rich's Servant School video series on there, lessons on Bible study prep, new believers classes, Calvary Chapel distinctives, these kinds of things, prayer and daily Bible reading. And then uh, there's uh, regular postings of Rich on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is now X, of course. Uh, so you can uh, follow him there. But I think, his, as Rich says, his largest resource, and I've checked this out, it's pretty amazing, is his online library on the Calvary Chapel Fullerton website. And so there are going to be uh, links to that library. 25 years of sermon notes, and Rich, you manuscripted your sermons, so you taught from a manuscript. So that means that basically your notes are a commentary. They're a running sure. commentary written in sermonic style. And boy, what a resource that is uh, for Bible study. So there are more than normal resources available through Pastor Rich Cathers. So I appreciate that. And thanks for, thanks for offering all that, Rich. It's, it's going to be helpful for many, I'm sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning all that. Yeah, well, you're welcome. So again, all that's going to be in the in the show notes, so you can resource those things yourselves, men. Uh, and as we go, a reminder that Strength for Today's Pastor is a ministry of Poiman Ministries. We're made up of a bunch of former, longtime senior or lead pastors. We all have a passion for the same thing. We long for church vitality, and in some cases, church revitalization. So because of that focus and that heart, we focus on the senior or lead pastor of churches. So feel free to reach out to us so we might serve and strengthen you, the senior or lead pastor of your church. And our announcer will tell you about the ways to connect with us. May the Lord bless you and continue to anoint you and encourage you as you serve him in Jesus' name. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Pointman Ministries. You can find us at pointmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve him, his pastors, and his church. His church.